0: There is, as far as I'm concerned, a big <clears throat> misunderstanding mm. about consciousness and spirituality mm-hmm. on the part of Westerners. And that is we judge judgment. We judge ourselves for judging.
1: Mm. Okay. We
0: judge, we judge our own emotions. The ones that we're not comfortable with, we label them as uh, dangerous or uh, negative. Negative emotions. What does that mean?
1: Hi, my name's Michael, and welcome to Today Dreamer, a podcast and YouTube channel that examines the interplay between inner work and outer work. Through conscious conversations and practical walkthroughs, we'll be exploring ideas and practices to help you find a deeper sense of clarity, develop your focus, and take meaningful action. I hope you love the show. Welcome to the Today Dreamer podcast. Today's episode is around the plant medicine healing process. And I'm going to be talking with Javier Regueiro, who is a shaman that's been Holding or facilitating work with the ayahuasca, San Pedro, and other plant medicines from PSAC, Peru, for over 15 years now. And he's going to share some insights with us about this process. He's going to clear up some common misconceptions, especially ones that he has experienced coming, you know, a lot of the time from a Western paradigm. And he's going to talk to us about the safe, responsible, and considerate use of these sacred plants. It's a very interesting conversation and if you're someone that has an interest in psychedelics or has you know, considered working with plant medicines to facilitate your own growth and healing and expansion, then it's definitely a conversation that I'm sure will interest you. Feel free to take some notes, listen back over it a few times if you need to because there's definitely a lot to unpack here and that's pretty much all I want to say. If you're enjoying the content, please consider subscribing. Other than that, uh, let's let's get into the conversation with Javier. Javier, would you like to introduce yourself?
0: Sure, Michael. Uh, first of all, thank you for inviting me to be a, a speaker in your podcast. I'm very honored. And uh, my name is Javier Regueiro. I was born in Switzerland uh, from Spanish parents. And uh, I have been living pretty much all over the world all my life. And uh, I have been living here in Peru, uh, specifically in Pisac, in the sacred valley of the Incas outside Cusco, for the last 15 years. I moved here. In order to do my work, my healing work, uh, particularly with ayahuasca and San Pedro. Also, um, very early on in my work, I could see that, so, um, a specification from the very beginning of my wanting to be of service for these medicines, uh, it was clear to me that my job was that of a bridge, of a bridge between the reality of the jungle, of the the Andes and uh, the psychological makeup, psychic makeup of foreigners, of people who were not, From this part of the world. Hmm. I I quickly realized that, uh, at least in my opinion, and by the way, everything I say is just my opinion, uh, mm, there were a lot of misunderstandings about this process. And that led me to begin writing my book on ayahuasca, which actually took many years before I self-published and eventually published. And um, two and a half years ago, I also published a book on San Pedro for pretty much the same reasons. And uh, within the next two to three months, There will be a third book on Peruvian sacred plant medicines about the toe, uh, known as Datura by English-speaking people, even though it's not accurate. uh, The toe is actually a plant uh, of the Brumantia family, which is very related to the Datura family, but not quite the same.
1: Voila. You mentioned misunderstandings. What kind of things were you finding? Uh, were kind of, I guess, looked at and and kind of in a way that you that you felt like needed to be kind of cleared up. Okay, um,
0: the first big misunderstanding is a cultural one, and it comes from our uh, consumer consumerist attitude that uh, says, if I have the time, if I spend the money, I'm entitled to have the experience that I'm looking for. Now, this is not realistic. It's specifically a Western attitude. The, The psychic, the spiritual world of the Andes in particular is ruled by the principle of Aini, Aini, which translates as mutuality and reciprocity. This principle governs all aspects of Andean life, has done so for thousands of years. And it's about an exchange. So I have to make it very clear to my clients that their long journey by airplane, uh, their money to pay for the retreat is only the beginning of their efforts. And uh, they will receive from this process only as much as they're willing to put into the process. OK,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, another uh, typically Western attitude, this is very interesting. Uh, after all these years, centuries, millennia, we're still looking for a magic pill, a magic pill that will somehow get us out of our misery without us really working for it. So, first of all, we have to engage in the process, but also the main misunderstanding, and this comes from our religious, philosophical, Point of view, and it's a, it's a misleading one as far as I'm concerned, uh, that healing or end awakening, enlightenment is the end product after which. Our life is simply going to be all pink and uh, done for us. This is not my experience. For me, uh, profound healing, awakening, self realization, they are only doorways. Only doorways that open up to yet different landscapes and, at times, with further challenges. The wonderful thing about these healing and spiritual experiences is that they change. They help us see existence from a different viewpoint. Mm. And they greatly support us in embracing our own experience, our own life more fully and more gracefully.
1: It seems like expectation comes into the, into the picture a little bit. Um, and and I, I remember before preparing for my first experience or, or what I th- whatever I thought that might look like, um, I couldn't help but have expe- some kind of expectation or some kind of um, assumptions that that came to the fore. How is how mm, how does one let go of such expectations, even if they know that they're they're present, even if they're aware of them? How do you how do you kind of guide someone to prepare from that point of view?
0: Um, expectations are an expression of the ego. Hmm. And hmm. all of us, particularly westerners, we live in our minds, we live in our egos, no matter what we tell ourselves. And therefore, uh, as we approach this process, is only natural that we create Expectations, that we create fantasies. How to deal with that? Well, what I tell my clients is very simple. I don't know to what degree they're actually able to practice it. But what I tell my clients is, if at any point during the ceremony or right after the ceremony, You feel impatient, frustrated, angry because you're not getting what you want, and that anger is a a sure sign of expectations at work. Then uh, feel, you know, come to the awareness that you are no longer in your intentions, in your prayers but you have slipped into expectation. And knowing that holding on to expectations only creates anger, then uh, it's up to you to do what you want. Create more anger or become aware of those expectations and gently, lovingly letting them go. Knowing, knowing with the awareness that the fulfillment of expectations is actually not to our best advantage. What these medicines, so we we are fond of calling these plant medicines medicines. Uh, some people even call cocaine medicine, whatever. Um, we call them medicines. So, what is a medicine? A medicine is something that helps us with what we need, not what we want. So Ayahuasca, San Pedro will in the best of cases, bring to the surface, not our wishes, but our needs. As particularly Westerners, we are so focused on our desires that we are totally disconnected with our actual needs, which is why people drinking these medicines are often flustered and surprised by what comes up. And that's because they're totally disconnected from their real needs. Now, if, for instance, My personal case, whenever I drink medicine, whenever I engage in a diet process with my teacher in the jungle, my focus is totally on my needs, my real needs. And uh, And I pay attention, I pay attention to what comes up instead of dismissing or rationalizing the fact that, say, for instance, an old upset has resurfaced again. No. OK. Whatever comes up in preparation during and after a planned medicine ceremony is never an accident. This is actually our own self calling to ourselves and saying, I would really like your attention on this theme right now. There is an intelligence of our spirit. Our spirit, our souls talk to us all the time but oftentimes we dismiss those voices.
1: There seems to be some, some courage that's needed to be able to look, look into ourselves and, and almost face that part uh, and move forward in spite of, in spite of that uh, unnerving feeling that, that naturally arises. Have you found this to be the case?
0: Michael, I, excuse me, I went to the Amazon jungle for an ayahuasca retreat for the first time in 2004. Mm -hmm. I was so bored with my own drama that I was willing to do anything and I was willing to go anywhere. And uh, I don't know I don't know that you can call it courage, but there's definitely an element of discipline, of willingness and um, and also uh, a desire, a desire to see our own,
1: liberation Hmm. that makes sense
0: now to complete that answer particularly ayahuasca as far as I'm concerned I feel that the uh, biggest gift of ayahuasca to us nowadays is its ability to put us face to face with our deepest fears. And uh, so, even begin to entertain the possibility that we're going to engage with this medicine, then all of our fears start coming up to the surface. It's part of the process of this medicine, of bringing to conscious awareness uh, repressed and denied fears. So, The courage needed is really just a willingness to stop our control mechanism, our repressive mechanism, and become vulnerable and embrace what's hiding, what we have ourselves hidden in our consciousness.
1: As we grow up and, and we're kind of, I don't know, I guess we're preconditioned in a certain way and 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 we're not used to making those kind of decisions, especially in the Western world, how does one come to that point to, to be able to be open enough, to be able to accept and, and to be able to um, go into it with, with that willingness that you mentioned? I don't. No, for other people,
0: but in my own case. So, the first time I drank ayahuasca, I had a total uh, disintegration of my ego. Total. I had prepared really, really well for three weeks before the ceremony. And, uh, Explored my own fear, not the fear of this medicine, the fear of whatever this medicine may reveal to me that I had hidden from myself. Mm. So basically, on that first ceremony, I experienced, for a Westerner, the worst, the worst possible. I was lucky enough that before the ceremony, my friend Jim said to me, if you find yourself in choppy waters, just tell yourself, tell the medicine, I'm willing. And whenever I was self-conscious enough and aware that I was freezing in fear because the experience was so overwhelming, I would just come up and go like, I'm willing, I'm willing, I'm willing. And my, my experience would come to a very brief, a reassuring stop before going on again. Mm. So this is about trust. It's about trust in the medicine but also trust in ourselves because what we often do is we project our own mistrust against ourselves onto anything that's available including these medicines. And uh, Drinking plant medicines have, has quickly taught me experientially that there was nothing to fear, that ultimately what I would meet, experience under the effects of these medicines was just an aspect of myself. And at some point, I made the choice, the conscious choice. Like, I am done living my life in fear of myself. And uh, it's been amazing. You know, when I first went to the jungle in 2004, I drank ayahuasca a couple of times years before. Mm. And... uh, By the way, my my own healing journey from from childhood uh, was, you know, I grew up Catholic. It was heavily colored with shame. And when I went to the jungle, my biggest fear was that people would see me for who I was with that fear of being rejected, which is one of the core soul wounds that I came here in this planet to heal. Well, you know, one, two, three ayahuasca ceremonies, and I'm like, you know, what you've been hiding from yourself and the world is no big deal at all. You may, be, you may have been scared of it, ashamed of it, but really once I saw it, I faced it, I was like, oh, no big deal. But I had to face it to realize that my assumptions were limited or faulty.
1: That sounds like an important realization to to realize that, you know, you may not be seeing everything that is and, and, and that sometimes our perspectives are or probably not only sometimes our, our perspectives are kind of limited by, you know, they are limited beliefs and assumptions and we might not be able to see the totality of everything and, and understanding that there's still a lot to learn and being open to those lessons, I think. And, and you mentioned this in your book, the rigidity of the mind. Um, and that seems like one of the most humbling gifts that plant medicines offer us. It's the ability to, uh, to I guess, um, move move out of that rigidity for a moment And realize that there's a little bit more than what we may have assumed was the totality of everything, and and after, yeah. No, I was just gonna say it. It allows us to take that breath, that that single pause, and then I guess afterwards, it's like you're looking at life from a totally different point of view. You see that there's much more. We're playing in a much bigger space than than what was kind of previously assumed. Um, Yes.
0: When we speak of consciousness expansion, we're not talking about tripping our balls off. Hmm. Consciousness expansion is actually about... an expanded viewpoint beyond the limiting and limited beliefs that we hold in our consciousness and basically the lies that we keep telling ourselves. The biggest lie is that we are separate. From creation. This is. What gives rise. To a soul. An energy that is a spark. Of the divine. That has forgotten. That. Is part. Of the divine. So the healing journey. Is about. Healing that sense of separation and nothing else really that's what the real treasure of this process and of any meaningful spiritual process is all about
1: yeah i'm 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 that's it's a it's a really profound thing that you just touched upon and I feel like that's it's there's so much to unpack with that. But well, the th- first thing that comes to me is the idea of of judgment of others and and realizing the connectedness of things allows for me personally to if I can catch myself doing it step away from that and see everyone as a brother and a sister, no matter who it is, and no matter what they've done, and, and try my hardest not to judge them. And I feel like that kind of thing is, is important. I'm not exactly sure how or, or why or the mechanism behind it, but I feel like it, it, it brings us closer to the truth of things.
0: Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. But you mentioned uh, try my best not to judge others.
1: I guess when you have an understanding, you don't need to try, it just happens. Is,
0: as far as I'm concerned, a big <clears throat> misunderstanding mm. about consciousness and spirituality. Mm-hmm. on the part of Westerners. And that is we judge judgment. We judge ourselves for judging.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. We
0: judge we judge our own emotions, the ones that we're not comfortable with. We label them as uh, dangerous or uh, negative. Negative emotions. What does that mean? You know, negative emotion speaks of a serious judgment on our part. So for me, emotions, all emotions, are equally holy and important. Emotions are oftentimes a way from our subconscious to speak to us. Say, for instance, anger. Anger oftentimes speaks of, I am not getting my needs met. Now, that's important. If I repress my anger, I may not even be aware that my needs are not being addressed. In the same way, <clears throat> judgments are equally important because those judgments of others, in particular, they're really indications of self judgment. Mm. But if we go through life going like, oh no, I'm not judging anybody. Mm-hmm. What we're doing is we are repressing ourselves.
1: So that recognition, not only the expression of our feelings, but also the recognition of, you know, what 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 why 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 are you angry? What is that what is that signal? What's that telling me? That kind of listening to that
0: myself yes yeah. yes yeah okay. so you know it's um it's really uh, challenging for me sometimes uh working with people who identify as quote unquote spiritual people because you know they may not be practicing Christians anymore. Now they may be Buddhist or um, anything else but there is the same attitude of self-repression, self-judgment, of telling themselves that in order to go to whatever kind of heaven they aspire to go to certain aspects of themselves need to be buried as deeply as possible. Many Westerners who pursue spiritual disciplines are so busy in that pursuit that there is really no one home anymore.
1: What do you mean by that? What do you mean by that, Javier?
0: Meaning that the, uh, who we are being is a formula. Hmm. As nothing authentic is just another set of rules, self-imposed. Now, for me, the beauty of plant medicines is that, you know, before, before our retreat, I tell my clients, I said, our ceremonies together are not a performance. Actually, they are a wonderful opportunity. To let go of the perceived need to perform. So, for instance, uh, when I see someone at the beginning of a ceremony sitting in perfect lotus position, you know, with the right clothes, the right beads, yada, yada, I tell them, lay down, make yourself comfortable. Put your hands on your lower belly and breathe into that. Stop performing. Because if we are in a a spiritual identity, that is a bubble. That is a bubble that oftentimes the medicine cannot pierce through. You follow me? I'm with you. Yeah. So um, the the paradigm that I've discovered was that in order to connect with my own divinity and everybody and everything else's divinity I had to stop striving. I had to let go of all pretense, of all trying. And little by little, allow myself to be myself, whatever that may be. And it's been amazing. It's been amazing. My, uh, my most important healing, uh, personal healing in 2012, which was about healing that separation from the divine, was actually uh, a letting go of this belief that I had to be. Some particular way, in order to sit at the same table with the divine,
1: as in you were already everything you needed to be. You just needed to, I guess, allow that 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 self to to just be instead of. Yeah, exactly. It sounds a lot easier than it, it must be. You know.
0: Uh, Well, you know, it was a long journey getting there. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Um, You know, this is also what is important to remember. You know, uh, we talk a lot about miracle, instant healing. Mm, There is no such thing. Because those profound healings and self-realization experiences are only the culmination of lifetimes of searching and healing and
1: whatnot. So, continue. Sorry, I interrupted you. So, you were saying it's, it's only the culmination of lifetimes of work.
0: Yeah, as far as I'm concerned.
1: And, and bringing this all back to, let's say, a person who is has feels the call, I guess, is, is the best way of putting it, uh, to engage with this process of opening the next door in this way. How would one start to begin, I guess, to prepare um, for, for that next step?
0: Well, you know, it may seem uh, very self-involved, but I would definitely recommend reading my books on plant medicines because they're very easy to read. They're not coded in spiritual talk and they come from the consciousness that I have, so to speak, attained where I live uh, as a result of this process. I... uh, I would definitely encourage people to contact the person who may be leading a ceremony or a retreat and uh, feel if there is a connection of some kind before actually signing up because in order to receive the most from this process we it's important for us to be vulnerable therefore we need to have a good you know however you know flimsy but a good connection with the person that is going to lead us through this experience So that there is a minimum of trust. So that we can let go of our own protections. And um, following, following the rules, whatever rules are implemented. If there are no rules, like say dietary preparation, behavior preparation, If there are no such rules, I would uh, look elsewhere. What is important to understand is that these are ancestral medicines, they are initiatory medicines initiatory meaning that they open up new doors okay and uh, the people of this land have utmost respect for these plants in traditional societies you may feel cold, as you say, to engage in this process. So what you do is you go up to the community shaman and you say, well, you know, I'm, it's calling me. And the shaman will go like, okay. You will be invited to a ceremony only when the shaman deems that you are Ready for it. Just because you want it doesn't mean anything. In all traditional spiritualities, there is an element of preparation. Say, for instance, uh, you go to a monastery you know, you will spend the first few years cleaning the toilets. Why? Because it's through this exercise of patience and humility that the master will assess your level of readiness meaning that if you are impatient, uh, if you are, I want, I want, your ego is so big that whatever further initiations will be badly placed. You know, this is what brings to the creation of sorcerers of any kind. People who are still on a very strong ego level. So it's difficult. It's difficult nowadays because the plant medicine process Has gone way beyond its traditional settings. And, you know, as far as I'm concerned, people can do whatever they want, it's part of their journey. But I found the traditional approach to be very wise to provide a solid, safe, and flexible container where we can have these experiences that are very, very powerful. So even though I'm not a traditionalist or a purist by any means, I do appreciate that ancestral wisdom that is still very much alive.
1: Well, I guess that, that wisdom has been built up over such a long period of time that it it requires our respect or it deserves it at the very least and and the openness to consider, you know, the ways of the old and to take that into account and, and really approach this whole process with humility and with respect so you know even if we can't prepare in such a lengthy and 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 I guess I'm not sure what the right word is but proper pro- process or or the same way that they might have done back in the day uh taking it seriously and, and 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 really putting that discipline in and approaching it with respect i think is seems to be a very important thing especially because we've got well i think most people in the western world have no idea Um, of, you know, I don't know, again, what the right word is, but the power behind this and the respect that it does deserve.
0: You know, uh, traditional societies and plant medicines have one truly important lesson for us modern people. And that lesson is a lesson of reconnecting us with a sense of the sacred and of reverence, profound reverence for all life. Instead of holding on to this, objectifying, consumerist attitude that says, you know, I I can do whatever I want with this. The disconnection, the disconnection from the sacredness of life is one of the main aspects of our psychic sickness. So this process can help us heal that disconnection. But in order to do that, It's for us to let go of our old attitudes and listen and watch and pay attention little by little and learn and reconnect with the sacredness of all life. That's, that's the real treasure of this process, as far as I'm concerned.
1: I just wanted to pause for a moment and, and allow that to to sink in deeply, you know, to allow people to absorb that because
0: <laughs>
1: it's hard to follow a comment like that it's it's good just to allow a bit of silence sometimes so where do we go from there? <laughs>
0: um, you know a, a few years ago there was uh, uh, an amazing Colombian movie
1: mm-hmm.
0: by Ciro Guerra. Okay. Embrace of the Serpent.
1: Oh, I've seen that one. I, I love it.
0: I decided to write a special chapter, which I included in both my Ayahuasca and San Pedro book, inspired by this movie. Because this movie illustrates the common, so to speak, mistakes that we foreigners keep making whenever we look for answers outside our own culture, but we bring our own psychic sickness into it with often deleterious results. So I highly recommend your audience to watch that movie. It's a stunning movie it's, uh, and it's very deep in its teachings. The One of the messages in the movie that gets repeated over and over because these Westerners just don't get it is to let go of their baggage to travel light and not only in terms of physical stuff but most importantly letting go of our mental baggage so that we can open up to a different world. We go go to these faraway places but we insist that things happen our way. That's part of Western modern arrogance and of the ego. So we do well to let go of that agenda. You know, I've seen people mm, totally new to this process, totally new to the jungle, within two days, they had their own idea of how this process should be. It's like, you know, if you know so much, why are you here to begin with? Aren't you here to learn, to move beyond what you think you know? That takes a level of humility that is an important aspect of any spiritual practice, but that totally, you know, turns into a blind spot for many. I believe that life on this planet is all about learning. It's all about remembering. But if we don't have the humility to say, I don't know shit, or what I know fails to bring a sense of fulfillment to my life, then there's no space. There's no space for learning. There's no space for actual growth. And I am most grateful to my teacher, Don Francisco Montes, for always, whenever he meets or says goodbye to his clients, when before they leave his center, he says, well, you know, uh, this is a science that never ends. Meaning that there's always something to learn. And the true humility is to know that what we're here to learn, we have no idea about. So it's about staying open. Staying open to the lessons that the universe and our spirit are bringing to us instead of going like, well, I'm here to learn this or mm. that. Or, no, mm. stay
1: open, an open mind, an open heart. I, I found with, with my personal journey, something one of the lessons that I learned and this was quite interesting and it ties into what you're saying with the openness and the the constant learning and, and the reason we're here is to learn and, and and is to remember the lessons that the one really potent lesson that came up for me was that there there are teachers all around me all the time and and depending on my openness was would really kind of that would that would allow me to take in more or less of 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 the lessons around me, and that I could approach every relationship as if you know, no matter who was in front of me or what was in front of me or the situation, there's there's an opportunity to learn from everything, and and everything can be a teacher if we're open to it. But I, I guess the 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 tricky part for me was f- finding a way to keep opening, coming back to. That 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 sense of I'm here to learn. I'm a, I'm a constant student, and you know I I I'm I want to absorb as much as I can without allowing myself to get in the way, or or allowing myself to get in the way, but kind of recognizing every moment as an opportunity to learn. Uh, because when I was you know engaging with with this experience and with a ceremony, one of the ceremonies. I found that so many lessons were coming through in, 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 in ways that I normally wouldn't see them. Like I would be blind to the lessons. But, for, sorry. And, and I felt that I had, for, for the first time almost, uh, a chance to see that or recognize that.
0: Good, good. You know, we are all, teachers to one another, all of us. We invite into our lives exactly the kind of teachers we need at any given moment. And it's important to be aware that any really good teacher will, sooner or later, drive you insane, (laughs) be so annoying, the biggest our reaction, the bigger our reaction, the more sure the sign that this person has something really, really juicy to teach us. And I agree with you, it's, it's challenging at times to honor, to honor the fact that these that, that annoying characters are our greatest teachers. It takes some discipline to stay with it and ask ourselves the question, okay, what is the lesson that I'm trying to teach myself by inviting this annoying character into my life? You know, even, even me, you know, when, when some drama comes up I'll I'll spend anywhere between two hours and three, four days uh, resisting. You know, I'm annoyed. I'm like, oh shit, again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I let myself have that reaction because allowing myself to have that reaction takes the steam off of it. And eventually, I'm like, okay, what is actually going on? You know, I had uh, a client and friend send me an email a couple of weeks ago. And she said, ah, Javier, finally I realized that we are in one big fat ayahuasca ceremony right now. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah. Uh, and she said, you know, when I finally got a little bit more serene in my head, I remembered that this is not happening to me, it's happening. For me. That whatever challenges. We invite consciously. Or unconsciously. Into our lives. They are all. For our own benefit. They may be unpleasant. Challenging. All of that. But therefore. Our very best. Ancient Egyptians actually, apparently, uh, valued challenging experiences above anything else. Because it is by meeting and embracing our challenges that we grow. If we keep it all hunky-dory, you know, we may have a good time. But basically, we stay miserable, we stay kind of immature. It's challenges that enriches beyond anything else.
1: I can definitely feel, feel the truth of that one, Javier. Um, I just feel like this conversation has been deeply rewarding just being here with you now and listening i'm sure i want to listen back over it a couple of times and, and and see you know if i can take in a little bit more um of what you're saying so i feel like there's so much wisdom in your words and i wanted to extend you know my deepest appreciation for you being open to to have a chat with me have a conversation um it means a lot
0: you're welcome you're welcome and mm-hmm. um, what you're speaking of depth? What is important to me? You know, I am. I'm an advocate for the safe and discerning engagement with these plant medicines. Mm. Another thing that I'm more and more vocal about, and not just with the converted, is sharing with the world how profound this process can be. You know, it's not about the process, the tool, the discipline, it's about how we engage with it that makes all the difference. You know, it could be basket weaving. It could be drinking ayahuasca. It doesn't matter. Mm. But, you know, we still, in the West, we have this Puritan attitude. First of all, that the things of the spirit are separate from the things of matter and of the body. It's an old paradigm in our culture and civilization that is still very strong. And then there is this prejudice On the part of people who consider themselves very spiritual, that says uh, that plant medicine is a decadent, a lower form of spiritual practice. Just because they're scared of it, just because they've never tried it, just because, so you know. the the, the plant medicine experience put us in a place of either we let go and surrender or we suffer beyond any stretch of the imagination. And that's an exercise that not everybody is ready for it, and that's okay. But because you are scared of truly letting go, because you are scared of your body and use spirituality as a way to transcend or spiritually bypass this human physical experience, um, there's you know I, I no longer buy it
1: <laughs>
0: uh, at the same time it is up to us to and this is my last theme that I want to explore with your audience
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, it's up to us to Give this process the good reputation that it deserves. And how do we do that? We do that not by boasting, talking, preaching, but actually by walking our talk in our own daily lives. Much attention has been given in recent years in plant medicine circles to the importance of integration. But what is actually at the, the bottom line? What is integration? Integration is about walking in integrity with our own truth. And that is an ongoing process, but that's where the value of this process is, because traditional plant medicines are not not uh, abstract processes. It's all about bringing heaven down here on earth, and making the effort to do so at any given time.
1: I found a struggle with, with that that part of the process, personally, in that uh, it's, it's often easy to sink back into the ways of the old the ways that we're used to, even after, you know, the knowing that it may not be um, serving us?
0: Okay. Uh, I'll answer your question and then we'll we'll call it a night.
1: That sounds good. Yes.
0: But this is, this is an important concern mm-hmm. for many people who engage in this process. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad you bring it up. If old patterns resurface, that is a sign, simply a sign, that there is more work to do. To have a peak experience is very valuable. But our consciousness is like an onion many-layered onion. And oftentimes, there are layers that we may not be aware of. So, like I wrote about in my TOE book that's coming out soon, I personally don't believe in behavioral therapy unless it's short-term for people who are being a danger to themselves and to the people around them. Say, for instance, um, smoking. If I smoke, and if I continue to smoke despite my best intentions, is only because that experience of smoking still has a lot of teachings to offer me there is still a lot of healing that in that behavior that are waiting for me to heal so, again, it's not about fixing ourselves. That is an attitude that is so Western. You know, I need to fix myself at all costs and as soon as possible. No. Like I tell my clients at the beginning of a retreat together, they say, you know, even though this is a fancy hospital, (laughs) you are not here to fix yourself. You are here to learn from yourself and to honor the totality of who you are and of who you may have been. So my retreats, I tell my clients, they're they're not healing retreats, even though they are. They're really inner safaris. And when I tell these words, oh, this is an inner safari, people go like, oh, what a relief. I thought, you know, I was here like, going to jail for a couple of weeks. No, we are here to learn from ourselves, and most importantly, to honor ourselves. Because all that we are, even those aspects of ourselves that we have the strongest judgments against, deserve our honoring. By honoring them, we're actually able to learn from them.
1: Okay. Thank you again. Bueno. Muchas gracias,
0: Javier. You're welcome, Michael. And uh, it's been a pleasure.
1: Uh, the pleasure has been mine. And, and again, I can't thank you enough. I no matter what I say, it won't be enough. So I'm... <laughs> I'm going to just leave it at that and, and I hope you can feel my appreciation through you know, this internet connection. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for being a part of this conversation. I really hope that it's given you something to think about, something to walk away and consider. If you want some more information on Javier, his website is com. He's also got one called ayaruna.com, A-Y-A-R-U-N-A.com where you can find his books, information on his retreats, you could even get in contact with him yourself if you feel called to do so. His books are a great preparation for a plant medicine journey and I definitely recommend them highly. So there's one on ayahuasca, there is also one on San Pedro, I believe he's recently brought one out on Datura or Toe, And he's got another book. He's got a book called A Gift of Love, Poems, Prayers, and Stories from the Long and Dusty Road, which he told me, you know, kind of was a way, uh, part of his creative expression that, you know, he shares a lot of humor in. So definitely check out his books and, you know, contact Javier if you're interested in one of his retreats. I really hope that these conversations are valuable and you're finding um, interesting points in them that you can you know go off and, and use. Um, I'm creating these these conversations or I'm having them as a way to just find you know or, or go over a couple of different practices that we can then you know apply to our own lives to help us achieve a little bit more stillness, help us kind of block out the noise for a moment, disconnect and listen to ourselves. And then from that point, hopefully we can take some meaningful action. So if you're getting something out of it, uh, please consider subscribing so you don't miss any of the upcoming releases. And I will catch you in the next episode. Thank you.